the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome once again, folks. To the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. So glad you're with us here on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. Uh, we get on the air. We've got an engineer named Pete Paquette. Uh, he's getting us on the air uh, beautifully today. Andrew Herdliska produces the show. And in this first segment, I'm happy to introduce uh, Tony Scott to you. He is in uh, northern Ohio. His book, One... Plus one equals one, the world's greatest love relationship equation. Tony, welcome to Orlando. I hope uh, things are well with you. Well, they're as well as they could be. You know, I'm trying to adjust to life uh, as a single person. My wife went to heaven in 2020 on August the 18th. Mm. We were married 55 years. We dated for three years, so a 58-year relationship. And that's, that's where the book came from. Well, you're very uh, you're you're blessed, Tony. You're blessed. So let's let's dive into the book. Um, okay. Why this book, a relational equation that can transform your life, oneness, something you must experience. Can you explain all that to us? Yes, I can. I, I believe that there are laws in the universe, and of course, because I'm a Christian, a born again believer, I believe that God established the universe with laws. So we know about the law of gravity, obviously, and many of the other laws. The whole universe runs on laws. Uh, that's why I can tell you one year from now what, to, what time the sun's going to rise and what time it's going to set, because it's all running on laws. So this law of oneness is, I think, the most powerful principle in the universe. And quite frankly, anywhere there's a group of people, whether that be a church community, whether that be a family, uh, if that's a sports team, or if it's a Fortune 500 company, what are they all looking for? How do we get everybody in the same book, in the same chapter, on the same page, in the same sentence at the same time? How do we bring them together? How do we create that sense of oneness so that we can have a single purpose and we can move on with the business at hand. So it works in business, with business teams. Uh, with, with, it works with sports teams. It works specifically born into a marriage by God himself. The two shall become one flesh. Well, your book breaks down into four parts. Uh, part yeah. one is called The Treasure of Love, The Beginning of Us, Discovering Married Love, The Treasure of Discipline. Uh, I want you to cover part one for us, Tony. Well, part one is, is very significant because born inside of us are some foundational principles that we all have a desire to know. We, we want to know what our purpose is. We want to know why we are here. 
And and so I, I called it the, the treasure of love because I, obviously I was referring to our married love and our marriage relationship. I've been counseling with people for uh, almost 50 years, 47 years. I've counseled with over 10,000 couples on uh, five different continents, 10 different countries. And I only say that to say I've met with a lot of people. And, and what I find uh, that's missing often in a marriage and, and thus in a family very often uh, is this lack of understanding of oneness and what happens when two people come together in a marriage relationship. Um, we all came out of Adam's uh, lowens, and, and we're really all one as far as humanity is concerned. We, we, we have a concept of that, and we understand that. Uh, if you're a Christian like I am, there's only one God, eternally existed in three pieces. So the oneness principle uh, and the treasure of married love is born into the fact, or comes out of the fact, or the principle of one plus one equals one, which is what started everything off in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. And that true covenant married love has the supernatural power of self-recovery. If you understand oneness and you seek to become one, then built within your marriage relationship, like it's built within your body, is this automatic system of recovery. When the body gets sick, he has the power to recover itself. And there is within us this spiritual uh, elasticity so that we give each other the benefit of the doubt. So, so oneness is a prerequisite if you're going to know true married love. So you seek to become one. And in the process of becoming one, you value your spouse. You look at your spouse as a gift. And you ask yourself, what do I need to do to make my spouse's life better, and each focuses on that. And there are things that you have to learn in the process of that. You, there has to be two givers and two forgivers in every marriage. You have to give, and you have to forgive, and, and, and that's so critically important to all of us. So in the book, we, Shirley and I, uh, obviously spending 55 years of life together in a marriage and three years dating, 58 years total, we began to understand something about married love. We understood discipline and the necessity of discipline, and I call discipline the balance of life. Uh, anywhere you're not disciplined, you're not milking life. Any area of life that you're not disciplined, you're not milking life for all that's there. And so discipline begins to help us create a higher quality of life. I don't speak of my best life. I speak, I speak of my highest life. What's going to help me live at the highest level of life. And that's what chapter, uh, part one, The Treasure of True Love, is really all about. Tony Scott is our guest. Uh, his book, uh, One Plus One Equals One. Uh, Tony, it's time for part two. It's called The Mystery of Oneness. Living is one, law of oneness, oneness increased. Fill us in. Well, the law of oneness is the foundational law of, of the kingdom of God. All the laws of God flow out of this law of oneness. If you go to the Bible, the word one is used over 1,900 times in the Bible. So a oneness marriage uh, is life on the fly. You, you have to make adjustments and transitions that bring about a process of order. That's what God is doing with this universe when it was turned into chaos by sin. So there are four concepts about this law of oneness. And, and the first concept that comes out of Genesis chapter 3 is that it is a process. It never ends. So you, you don't go to the altar and get a marriage. You go to the altar and get an opportunity to create a marriage. 
And that's very important because each person standing at that altar, each spouse came out of a marriage. So into every marriage, there are three marriages, the one each spouse came with and the one you're trying to create. And so it's a process which never ends. You, you never get through creating your marriage as long as you're together. Secondly, it's costly. Selfishness is just not allowed. You cannot be a selfish person and ever become one with your spouse and experience the one plus one equals one principle. Thirdly, it's challenging. You have to prepare to be stretched on a continuing basis. Marriage will challenge you. The relationship will challenge you. Fourthly, it requires great determination. So I just say focus, focus, focus. Now, Ted, what I believe is that we all come with a oneness muscle. And we have to learn to exercise that oneness muscle. And as we do that, uh, the law of oneness brings an energizing principle of life, and that is married life without limits. You get married to love. You don't get married to fight. Uh, you get married to complete each other, not to compete with each other. And the worst thing you can have on a sports team, as you well know, you the sportsman, the successful person that you are, is when the players on the team start trying to compete with each other. And um, one wants to do their thing, so we have a lot of selfishness there. It's just not allowed in a oneness marriage relationship. And as I said earlier, it, it, it takes time to develop all of this and to become the kind of person that God has intended for you to be. So living as one, living by the law of oneness, and then on a continuing basis, try to create on an ongoing basis uh, the increase of that oneness. You don't just become one suddenly and say, now we are one. You keep at it. It's a continuing process. Tony Scott is with us from uh, the uh, Toledo, Ohio area. His book, One Plus One Equals One. Tony, we've arrived at part three, and you call this the secret of covenant living. Covenant is everything. Covenant is challenging when life isn't fair. Tell us more. Well, the absolute highest form of, of life that I know about is to live in covenant with God. So God was a covenant God. He was not a contract God. And the covenant means to cut. And, and, and within every covenant in the Bible, there was blood. And there are several covenants in the Bible, the last covenant being the covenant that Jesus Christ gives to us. Almost 300 times in the Bible, the word covenant is used. Actually, if you look at life, everything is about covenant. You, you have a covenant with your bank about depositing money there. You have covenants in business because we have to trust one another. And covenant really is about trust, and it's about being able to trust one another. So as you live your life, you reveal your personhood, and as you live your life, you create who you are becoming, and you become a covenant in some shape, form, or fashion. So the kingdom is governed, it's established, it's governed, it's ruled by covenant laws. And so covenant brings us into divine alignment. It is by covenant that we commit to something. And when you live by covenant, you commit your life. You don't commit a thought. You don't commit a contract. You don't commit an agreement. You commit your life to it. It's the most solemn, binding, intimate form of agreement that you'll find in the universe. And, of course, there is no more significant term uh, in relationships than what we call 
the marriage covenant. And the marriage covenant is very, very important. Covenant is very challenging. There will be times when life is not fair, uh, and you have to learn to live with that, but you have to learn to live by covenant, and you have to keep your word. I love the word trust, and we don't talk enough about that word, but the original meaning of the word trust coming out of the Hebrew is security without fear. Imagine if we had that word being lived out today in the midst of all the turmoil and strife and division that we have in our nation in the midst of this pandemic that we are going through, to be secure without fear. A lot of people are looking for that kind of trust today. And the beautiful part of that is that it is available. So why are challenges permitted into our lives? They're permitted because we are supposed to be continually challenged, and our life is to be challenged out of us. Our life's buried inside of us. There is a reason why we're here. There's a purpose. There are gifts, talents, abilities within us. And so God permits challenges to us in order to pull out of us the life that he wants us to be living. And unfortunately, too, very often we get complacent with our life, and we don't like the challenges, and then we never really discover who we are. So unfairness demands you have an unwavering faith that you can and will prevail regardless of your present challenges. Imagine what that would do for marriages. There wouldn't be so many divorces if people would just practice that one aspect of covenant marriage. So covenant marriages like the human spirit grow strong by challenge and by resistance. And in the midst of the seasons of life, in the midst of all of them, you will find that you are seasoned as you go through your season. My guest is Tony Scott. Uh, We've got a break coming up. Uh, After the break, uh, Tony's going to talk to us about part four, uh, when the answers don't come, uh, topics like striving to live, 2020, the upside-down year, Uh, one minus one equals one. And then we've got an epilogue to talk about, uh, what death can't steal from you. So stay with us. Uh, Tony Scott in Northern Ohio is going to fill us in on that. Uh, Let me talk to you for a minute about my latest book. It's just out. I did it with a retired pastor, Mark Atterbury, a good friend. Uh, The name of the book is called Every Day is Game Day. Every Day is Game Day. And and each of these uh, 365 uh, devotionals uh, has a sports theme. That's how we open them. And then it it leads on to uh, to a spiritual lesson that's included. So I think you'll enjoy it. So when you go up to Amazon uh, to order uh, Tony Scott's book, One Plus One Equals One, uh, just add another one, uh, this latest one that uh, we've written. It's called uh, Every Day is Game Day. And I do want to remind you that we're working hard trying to bring Major League Baseball to Orlando, and you can be a big help. Uh, go up to the website, orlandodreamers.com, orlandodreamers.com, and just check in. Just uh, let us hear from you. Uh, tell us what you think. Good idea? Want to be part of it? Uh, season tickets one day, perhaps, if this all works? Uh, just share that with us. Uh, we need to show Major League Baseball that we've got enormous interest here and enormous support. 
Well, we're back for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Stay with us. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. We will return with Tony Scott. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. Now, here's Pat. Tony Scott is our guest. His book, One Plus One Equals One. And uh, as advertised, Tony, uh, you're going to talk to us about part four now, when the answers don't come. Well, life is very challenging and challenging to all of us. When my wife became ill in, in 2016, 17, um, we didn't know what was wrong. We, we went to several specialists. She began to lose weight. She eventually lost down to about 100 uh, pounds uh, before we ever discovered what was wrong. And she had a tumor growing inside, and it was not discovered uh, until 2018. And so we began to apply our faith that we had lived by after actually being in the ministry. We believed and trusted God for a miracle for healing for her. We prayed diligently. We sought God and many people around the world praying for us. Uh, literally thousands of people had joined the prayer chain. And the answer did not come after chemotherapy, after radiation, after surgery, after second round of chemo. Uh, she she began to deteriorate. She left this world on August the 18th, 4.05 a.m. on a Tuesday morning, 2020. And it was during that time that um, we realized that our faith was strong, but the answer that we were seeking God for did not come. And I really was bothered by that, being a minister of the gospel all these years, 40 Seven years now, I was troubled by that. What happened to my faith? What what went wrong? You, you always got to question those kinds of things. And, and one day in my prayer time, I just got quiet before the Lord, and I heard the Lord speak inside of my very spirit. And he said to me, you can't see the answer I'm giving because you're so focused on the answer that you want. And so I, I came to realize that you know, life is not fair. We're not going to have the answers always, especially not the one we get want. And so I had to accept that fact, and I had to move on with life. It was hard. It was difficult because we were we were as close and we were as one as, as two people could be. Two people never lived on the earth. We were, in my opinion, closer than we were. <clears throat> I summed up some of the, my thoughts about that. Uh, when, when the answer doesn't come. And in a message I wrote to her on her last Mother's Day with us, and I said, you're the highest and the brightest star in my life. Only God can create such a woman as you. Mm. From the first moment I laid eyes on you when you were 15 until this day, you're the very best thing that could possibly happen to me. Because of you, I've risen higher, grasped more, experienced love, achieved success, grown deeper, known the most intense joy as together we've sought his kingdom, power, grace, and love. I am who I am because of your love. You show the world how to abound and to be in one. Your faith is a great light in a world filled with darkness. Your suffering is producing a far greater weight of glory. Soon they will see that he truly is the healing, miracle-working God. You are his daughter, and he is your God. I love you, Shirley Ann. Happy Mother's Day. So I was written, I wrote that to her on, on Mother's Day, and it was hard to write that. I cried just about through every word. 
Then we looked at 2020, the upside-down year, the, the, the pandemic hits, the virus hits, and our world is turned upside-down, and people are sick, and people are dying, and economies are collapsing around the world. We may never see another year like that in our history. And I wrote about this in the book because I think it's important. And eventually we come to the final chapter of the book. When one minus one still equals one. Shirley's very much still to this day a part of my life. She always will be. We had a covenant with each other. I don't think I will ever, ever, ever think of marrying again. God could change that as he wills, but I will not change that personally. I will not ever seek out that kind of relationship because one plus one equals one was who we were and who we are. I am now one minus one, but we still equal one. Tony Scott is our guest. Uh, he has written this marvelous book, One Plus One Equals One. I want to uh, get to the epilogue, Tony. Uh, what death can't steal from you. Uh, tell us more about that. Well, I, I wanted people to know that one minus one equals one is not a tragedy. But it's the story of two people who were greatly in love, who lived our life and enjoyed living our life one with the other. We honored God. We loved our family. We produced a son and a daughter and, and four granddaughters. <clears throat> and because of that love, which has now been instilled in her children, our children, and our grandchildren, we see, I see surely in their lives, on a day-by-day basis. I have two granddaughters that are uh, literally training for the ministry. One of them is at a Bible school right now, um, going into full-time ministry. And then my my, young, my younger granddaughter, uh, my daughter, Mackenzie, is our, um, at 17 years of age, she is our co-children's church director. So there's some things that, that death can't take from you, the memories that you have what you sowed into each other, what you invested into each other. I invested my life in her, and she invested her life in me. And we had that one plus one equals one marriage. We had that oneness marriage. There's nothing like it on the face of the earth. And I would challenge your listeners to get a copy of the book. There is a workbook that goes with it as well, 12 chapters, a lot of things in the workbook that are not in the book, so that a couple can sit down or even a church can do it as a small group setting. And you can go and purchase that on Amazon. Tony, um, tell me about your your preaching career. How did it start? Uh, What's going on now? Yeah, I was a salesman for a national food company, American Home Foods, traveling around, company car, uh, everything, you know, all the expenses purchased, and uh, just incredible life. She was working at the bank, and I began to be intensely uh, dissatisfied in my spiritual walk with God. I, I, I wanted a deeper walk. I began to see God, and... And, and one day I felt the calling of God upon my life uh, to preach. And it was not something that I desired or wanted or prayed about or thought about, but it came. And so we talked it over and we sold everything we had. We had a beautiful seven-room brick house. We were living a great life. We took our two kids. We moved to Cleveland, Tennessee, to Lee University, and one of the top uh, Christian universities in the country right now. And I finished there in 1974, and we came directly to Toledo, Ohio, and we intended to spend our life in one place. Uh, it was that it was something that God chose for us. We weren't looking to go to Toledo, probably didn't even want to go, but we came. And so for the past 47 years, uh, we've been here. I, 
I, I began to uh, I, I began to speak at a lot of business and motivational places. Um, the Amway Corporation sent me literally um, some of their uh, people, some of their diamonds, sent me to the far corners of the earth. I went to ten countries, five continents. Um, between America and, and Canada, I spent about 15 to 16 years doing that. And I wrote several books uh, in the process, Living a Diamond Life in a Rocky World, which was not about uh, a diamond pen or anything like that. It was diamond life. Four things that are required if, if you're going to have a diamond. It takes intense pressure. Um, it takes enormous heat. Uh, it, it takes a lot of time, actually three things that really create a diamond. And I saw that as the way a life is created. So I shared those principles. I wrote a book called The Increased Life as well along the way. And my wife got to see a lot of people receive Christ. More than 35,000 people walked to an altar in, in, in those meetings and received Jesus Christ. So today I pastor a place called The Church in Maumee, Ohio. Uh, we are on a huge campus, about 57 acres. We have a 120,000 square feet building, and currently are building a life care center to take care of the elderly, those who need memory care, and those who need assisted living. So continuing right on with all the things that she and I did, doing it as if she were still here. Tony, uh, do you have another book in you? I do. I'm currently writing another book. Really? Um, What's it about? You know, it's about the fourth dimension. I'm not sure what the name of the book will be, but there is a fourth dimension, and it's the dimension of the kingdom of God. The laws of the kingdom of God permeate the universe, and you can find those laws once you decide to become one with God. He begins to reveal those laws to you, and those laws work, and this law of oneness is one of those. There's a law of intimacy um, that is one of the most powerful laws in the universe. It's, it, it's, it's how you become intimate with your mate. It's how intimacy plays out in your life on a on a day-by-day basis. And, and there are many laws. So I'll be writing about the laws of that kingdom and talking about moving into and, and discovering that fourth dimension of living. Tony Scott has been our guest. We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Right here on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5. The word in Orlando. We will be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The word. Now, here's Pat. Well, Tony Scott was with us in that first segment, uh, talking from uh, his church in northern Ohio. Uh, Brian Dawkins, that name will ring a bell. Uh, NFL Hall of Famer, had a marvelous career in the NFL. A safety, 16 years in the NFL, primarily with the Philadelphia Eagles. Played his college football at Clemson. Uh, drafted by the Eagles in the second round of the 1996 NFL Draft. Closed out his career with Denver. And uh, and then uh, into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2018. Brian, uh, welcome uh, to this show and welcome to Orlando where you live. So glad to talk. So glad to talk to you. How are you? I'm absolutely blessed. Absolutely blessed. Brian, first of all, before we dive into your book, um, tell me how you ended up in the Orlando area. How long have you been here? Uh, this is my se- second stint this way. We uh, 
purchased a house before we moved to Denver in 2009. Um, we had a, a home here, in, uh, actually in uh, um, Lake Nona. That was the first time around. And yes. Once we moved to Denver, um, you know, I sold that house and we moved out to Denver to play out there. And then when I retired, um, I kind of began to pray about, okay, so where would you like the homestead to be? And the Lord brought me back to Orlando. So that's, that's why we're back. Well, I am so pleased to hear that. It's amazing the number of of current athletes and retired athletes that live in Central Florida. It just amazes me, and you learn more every day. Yes, you do. <laughs> For example, uh, Oscar Robertson, the great, the big O, moved here to Orlando a few years ago. Ken, there you go. Ken Griffey Jr., Barry Larkin. Uh, it, it's quite a lengthy list. Brian, tell me, how did your book come about, and and why did you write it? The book came about from, first of all, I never thought I would write a book. That's not something that I grew up saying that, yes, I'm going to have an author by my name at some point. I was not a big reader growing up. But I recognized something as as I began to prepare myself and prepare my speech, which I don't write speeches. I just gather a word or a phrase or something and go from the heart. That's how I do things. And the, the admiration that I was receiving from a lot of fans really got me to thinking that they thought that the success that I had on the field <laughs> came without anything, that I've always been someone that's been winning. And so and when I was an executive for the Eagles, um, when we helped win the Super Bowl, my heart began to change. And one of the things that I was doing in the building was helping people experience the best versions of themselves, to, to break it down real short. And now I'm blessed to do that outside of the building because the book has allowed me to have people see into the lens of how I grew up, the things that I actually had to grow through. I didn't say go through. I say grow through because that's as believers we have to do that. We have to grow through things. And so – me being able to now look back over my life as I was prepared for that speech, I began to see all of these situations and people that have the Lord had blessed me with. That's why the, the, the title, Blessed by the Best. Yes, he blessed me by the best, by life, yes, but also by circumstances, by different people at the right time to speak specific words into me when I needed them most. So that's the book, helping people see that. Brian Dawkins is our guest, longtime uh, NFL safety. Uh, what was your life like growing up in Jacksonville, Brian? Was, was blessed. Was blessed by the fact that my mom and my dad, you know, together they stayed stayed together, still together to this day. Um, so I saw that firsthand. Having a man in the household with me. And I got a chance to see how a man treats a woman and how he brings in, brings home the bacon, sometimes cooks the bacon, right? So I got a chance to see those things. But the neighborhood was a rough one growing up in Jacksonville. And so one of the things I always tell people that is I had to fight quite a bit. Not all the time, but you had to fight. And in that environment, I was told and taught how to fight by my mom, something that to this day I carry myself by. And she told me that you don't start a fight, you finish it. And that's probably something a lot of people have heard. But she also told me this, that you fight in such a way that they have to pull you off the person. Right? So that's how you fight in life, period. That's how I took it. 
So whatever I get involved in, I fight that way. And we're competing. Yeah, we're going to compete. You may win, but it's going to take you a whole lot of effort to beat me because I'm going to compete and fight with you that way in life. My father taught me some things about, about when you start something, you finish it. And I don't, not only do you start it and finish it, you stay coachable the whole time. And you give more than is expected of you. So that's how I then pursue life now, right? So I fight this way, that you have to pull me off, that you don't, you don't have to tell me to speed up, you have to tell me to slow down. And then I'm going to go all out and give you every ounce of me when you direct me in what it is that you're telling me to do, even if I don't like it. Even though I don't like it, I'm going to give more than is expected of me. Because when it's ultimately, I will be better off when it's all said and done. After I come out of that space of that season of not doing something that I want to do necessarily, I will be better off because I've given everything that I had in it and I stayed coachable to be corrected or um, shown that I was doing things wrong so that I can improve them once again so that when I come out of that season, I'm better off because of it. So that's Jacksonville real quick. We don't have a lot of time. But that's Jacksonville for me. Brian Dawkins is our guest. His book is out. Blessed by the best, my journey to Canton and beyond. Brian, how did you end up at Clemson? And uh, who, who was your coach there? My coach there was at the time, my first coach excuse me, was Ken Hatfield. Then Tommy West took over two years into that, um, my time there. But how I got to Clemson and once again, this is another story that people don't recognize or don't know because I hadn't really said anything about it. So you think that the Hall of Fame was something that I've always been. So I've always been a top recruited person. And no, that was not the case. How I literally got to Clemson was Clemson wanted my teammate, Patrick Sapp, out of Jacksonville, Florida Reigns. He, was a, he would have been like a five-star recruit in today's system. I probably would have been like a one- or two-star recruit. But they wanted him so bad, and basically he called them one night and said, if I come to Clemson, Doc has to come with me. <laughs> That's how I got to Clemson. So it wasn't me. It wasn't because I was doing all these fantastic things that they wanted me so bad. No, they wanted him so bad that they were willing to, to take a chance on me, right? So that was the last scholarship given that year, and I, I didn't measure up to the measurables of the safeties the other two safeties that they had coming in with my class. I was maybe five, ten and a half, probably like 170 pounds. And those other guys were like, you know, one of them was six, six foot, the other one was six one, both of them 210, 215, right? So that's what they saw a safety as. So that's not what I was. But again, that's how I got into Clemson. But the thing that I knew about is how I fight how I pursue and how I'm going to outwork whoever is in front of me because of how I was been, how, 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 how I was raised. Right. And so it's not how you get into the door is what you do with the opportunity. Once you put your foot in there. Brian, what was your reaction when you got word that the Philadelphia Eagles had drafted you in the second round of the 1996 NFL draft? Tears of joy. Tears of joy, first of all, to, to know that I did it. Like, I made it into the daggum National Football League. That I had my opportunity to go and do something that millions of people would love to do. So, tears of joy. And then, but there's some anger there, too. There's an anger because, in my mind, had I been 
like I just told you, the measurables of my um, teammates. If I had been 6'1", 215, 6 foot, 215, something like that, then I would have gone in the first round from, from the career that I had at Clemson. But because I was small and everybody kept asking me, can you play corner? Can you play nickel? We don't know what you're going to be able to play. Can you play special teams? So there was a whole bunch of questions about could I do it at the next level at my size? So I was frustrated to know that because of what you see in front of you, my measurables, I went that far. So in my mind, how I use that as motivation for me is I saw myself as a third-round pick because I was the last pick in the second round. So to me, that's the first pick in the third round. Mm. So I, I use it as motivation to make sure that any team that had a chance to draft me and you didn't draft me, I'm going to make you. I'm going to make your life miserable for many years because you didn't take that opportunity, take that chance on me only because of, of of my size. Who were your coaches in Philly, um, Brian? My coach in Philly was um, first started off with Ray Rose as a head coach, and then uh, with Emmett Thomas being the defensive coordinator. And then it went to Andy Reid and Jim Johnson. And I give a lot of credit in this book and in my speech to, to, to Emmett Thomas. I call him Uncle E. Like E.T. Emmett blessed me tremendously to grow into a man, to grow into a, a, a family man, um, a professional, to know what a professional is and how a professional operates. But also he helped me to get the help that I needed in order for me to deal with my, my mental health, I call it cerebral wellness, but my, my mental health issues that I dealt with my rookie year. But he also saw something in me that I did not see in myself. Mm. And it saw Hall of Famer. I didn't, he never said that, but that's literally what he saw because he kept comparing me to people that <laughs> were in the Hall of Fame. I didn't see that. So what I did was I took his word for it and I trusted him. And I went after the vision he had for me initially because he never let me settle for good. He always pushed me to be great. If I made a tackle that wasn't good enough, I should have made the interception. I should have caused the fumble. So he was always taking me to the next level of thought of what I can do. This, is, this is, was not the same conversation he was having with everybody. But he saw something in me that I didn't see initially. But after that third year, the second into that third year, I saw what he saw. I saw that I can do things on another level than my teammates and those around me, even those in the league, that I can do things at a higher level on a consistent basis to be an absolute game changer at the safety position. Right? So I was awoken to that beast. So I came up with the visions for myself of what I wanted to do at that point. So I took the vision for my life, and I began to do things differently. So when Jim Johnson got, got there, he got a young man that was ready to be used however he wanted to use me. And I just so happened to be blessed with the skill set to be able to do a lot of different things across the board to help my team win. Brian Dawkins is with us, NFL Hall of Famer, Clemson uh, football player, longtime Philadelphia Eagles safety. Um, when you think of the city of Philadelphia, Brian, uh, what comes to mind? Oh, they love you tough. <laughs> it's a tough love, and shit. I love it. Uh, they, they speak their mind. They're not going to hold back. But the thing that I've seen in Philly that uh, reminded me some of, somewhat of my neighborhood is that people work hard for what they have. 
They work hard for what they have. And they're not just giving things away when they come out on Sunday, right? So they expect specific things to be done on the field because they work a specific way. They expect to see the same type of workmanship, the same type of accountability of taking responsibility for what good or bad, especially the bad, and not passing the buck on to other people. And so they're going to love you in a good way hard, but they're going to love you. They're going to let you know what's on their mind. But again, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. I've, I've learned over my life that you take in the good, you spit out the bad. That's how you do it. Take in the good, you spit out the bad. And so me coming to Philadelphia and the way that I work, the way that I keep my head down, the way that I give more than is expected, I work for everything that I've had in my life. And I never expected them to cheer me on the field. I never took the field and expected you to cheer. It was my responsibility to give you something to cheer about. That's how I saw it. Mm. So that mindset, that mindset allowed me and the Philly, you know, brass to, to bond in a major, major way. So I, I love Philadelphia. I love it. Well, that's my hometown area, Brian. I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware, and then uh, spent 13 years with the 76ers uh, at the start of my career, early years of my career. And uh, so I've got uh, I've got that Philly blood in me as well. Brian Dawkins is our guest. We got another segment with Brian. We're talking about his new book. It's called Blessed by the Best, My Journey to Canton and Beyond. Uh, make sure you get a copy. Um, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We will be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Now, here's Pat. Uh, Brian Dawkins is our guest. Longtime NFL safety. A member of the NFL Hall of Fame. Boy, that sounds good. Clemson University player and student. Brian, tell me how you began to grow spiritually. Did it start in the NFL? No, I was blessed to have um, believers around me in my life. Mm-hmm. So one of them being my grandma, I call her St. Dawkins. She was the epitome, she's the epitome of, 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 a, of, a, of a believer and how they respond to life's ups and downs. And she's very consistent. She's never lost herself in anger. I've never heard her curse, not mm. not one time. And there was a malleable peace. There was literally a peace in her home that's undescribable because of how she carried herself. How she um, she was a um, in the choir and um, she went to church regularly. But if she didn't leave church at church, she brought the premise of why we go to church with her and how she lived her life. So I saw what a Christian looks like. I didn't have a relationship with God until I accepted Christ into my life, though, in 1990. It was after the practice. I knew about him. I knew verses and all of those things, but I never accepted into my life until somebody came to practice, after practice. And he asked the question, if you, if you, you know, leave this earth today, do you know where you would be? And he, he went on to say that if you don't know, then you know. If you don't know, then you know. 
So initially, I accepted Christ into my life out of fear, right? But that's not the God that we serve. We serve a God of love. And so consequently, after that, I began to truly understand what God is really all about, the characteristics of the God that we have, and the love, unconditional, forever love that he has for us. And that was the part of me that began to grow slowly but surely as I went to more Bible studies, as I began to go to SCA meetings, and even in, in Clemson, going to, you know, going to church on Sunday and, and things of that nature. But it was literally after my rookie year, after I went through a depression and went through uh, self-harm thoughts that I've, that I've come out and, and talked about, that I had to make a decision which way I was going to go. And in that decision-making, I decided to pour everything that I had into the Lord and in relationship with Him, not just having Sunday, not just going to Bible study. No, I'm talking about a relationship because I had to do something because what I was doing was not working. And that's why I was where I was in the depressed state. And so when I began to, I talked about Emmett, Emmett and my wife, they, my wife County, they helped me to finally go get some help. And I had talked to nobody about the things that I had gone through in my life. So those toxins were slowly were increasing the pressure of me trying to hold things in was increasing in my life. And it was beginning to spill over into anger and me sometimes, you know, uh, drinking more heavily to hide and mask the things that I was going through. And so oftentimes it, it takes us to get to the bottom before we finally look up to the help that's available for us. And that's where I went, to the bottom. And then I looked up and said, Father, either, either I'm coming to you or I'm not going to be here no more. So a specific thing that I'm not going to do anymore, and I'm coming to you, show me, teach me, guide me. And that was after my rookie year. And consequently, that was same time that Emmett was bringing things, helping me see things that I didn't have in myself. So that mental understanding of what I can do teamed up with the spiritual part of me growing as well, because I began to journal, do devotionals more, spend more time in prayer, specific things that I do every morning now that I developed back then, specific disciplines I do every morning that I started way back then that began to strengthen the whole of me to make me a whole uh, better, holistic person, mentally, spiritually, and physically. physically. And that is what then began to happen in my life, yes, but also on the field. So more of me began to show forth because of that spiritual awakening, because of that connection vertically with my Heavenly Father. I began to experience things. I talk, talk about more supernatural things in my life. And certain, certain things I did on the field that would shock the heck out of me. <laughs> of how I can do this thing to this person who's 350 pounds. <laughs> so, yes, that was the, the, the beginning of the, um, the a true awakening of the spiritual me was after my rookie year. Brian Dawkins. Uh, NFL Hall of Famer. His book is called Blessed by the Best. Brian, I must ask you uh, about uh, Weapon X, the nickname. 
after the code name of the Marvel Comics character Wolverine for his reputation of relentless aggression on the field. <laughs> tell me what tell me about that nickname. Well, I mean, I was always an emotional person growing up, even when I played. I was the kid that if we lose, I'm going to cry, right? So I don't want to shake your hand. I have to be sometimes made to shake the other team's hand because I was so mad because we lost. But, but I was always that emotional individual. Some of it was anger because I thought, thought I was always overlooked, so I had to outwork everybody. So some of it was anger. But I was always that emotional person, so I would turn into someone different when we compete. Mm. I would literally turn into someone differently when we compete. Now, initially in the NFL, you know, I, I began to call that part of me. that When I flipped that switch, I, become, I began to call that person idiot man. So it was literally it was idiot man before it was weapon X. So idiot man was the person that I turned into on game day, and that came from one of my teammates. He was like, "Man, on a game day, man, you you're like an idiot, man." I was like, "Wow, I like that. I like that idiot man." But then once we made the playoffs, and people began to see all these figurines that I had in my locker, because I had a whole I had a separate um, a whole bunch of figurines of, of Wolverine in my locker, and they were like, wow, what's, "What's going on with that?" And so they put two and two together because I love his aggression, to your point. His uh, animal-like, animal-like instincts, um, he's unstoppable when he dials completely in, pretty much. Um, his love for his, the people that he loves, he'll go all out for them. And the other thing I love about Wolverine is like, he can, he'll get whooped up for us sometimes, <laughs> but that's not going to stop him from coming back full, full speed once he heals. And so all of those things I took from the reading of the comic books and I applied in my, in my life on the football field. And I tell people this all the time, that Brian Dawkins never played a staff in the National Football League. Never played one down. It was, it, it was idiot man slash Wolverine that took the field. <laughs> a Weapon X took the field. And the other thing about Weapon X is he was an absolute weapon in any situation. So that's how Jim Johnson used me as a weapon all over the field. I, sometimes I was a defensive end because I was rushing off the outside. Sometimes I was rushing in the A-gap, so I became a nose guard. Sometimes I was a linebacker. Sometimes I was a cornerback. Sometimes I was a nickel cornerback. Sometimes I was a far strong safety, free safety. So I was all over the place the way he used me. So I was literally a weapon for the defense to be used, like a chess piece instead of checkers, the way that I saw it. So all of those things came together to create that. And it's just a blessing for me because I, I absolutely love the comic book um, character of Wolverine and to have the art, the artist, excuse me, who actually drew Wolverine create a couple of um, drawings of me as Wolverine. Wow. Something that's one of the, the highlights of my life. <laughs> my guest is Brian Dawkins. I want to just uh, remind you that his book is out. It's a wonderful read. Blessed by the best. My journey to uh, Canton and beyond. Uh, Brian, in closing, we've got about uh, 30 seconds. What do you want uh, readers of your book to take from your book and apply to their own lives? What's, What's the ultimate message? The ultimate message is what is the best for you may not be the best for me. And sometimes the best does not start off as the best. Sometimes the best start off as mess, right? And that mess all of a sudden becomes your message. 
the message that you then talk from to help other people see through the situations they may go through. So sometimes you have to, all the time, excuse me, reframe your past of how it blessed you, how these circumstances that were painful in that moment helps you where you are, and you have more wisdom to move forward and to do better things going forward because of how you've reshaped your past. But ultimately, your vertical relationship is the most important relationship there is, period. That's the relationship with the Lord. So you get that right. When you seek Him and you get that right, then everything else will work its way into the way it's supposed to be. Brian Dawkins has been our guest. We've got to wrap up right after this on um, our show that we love to bring to you, uh, the Pat Williams Weekend Hour. Uh, the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's called Many Things, but uh, we want the power to flow here on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Well, folks, we're always so pleased when you join us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, Today, uh, well, we had a wonderful visit with Tony Scott uh, from his home in Ohio, talking about his new book, One Plus One Equals One, The World's Greatest Love Relationship Equation. And then Brian Dawkins, the NFL Hall of Famer, who now lives in Central Florida, Uh, Blessed by the Best is the name of his book, My Journey to Canton and Beyond. And when you go up to Amazon to uh, get those books, uh, check out the latest one that we've done. Uh, It's called Every Day is Game Day. Uh, Pat Williams and Mark Atterbury uh, put it out in 365-day devotional with every devotion having a sports story or anecdote. And then we we get into the meat of it uh, each day. So you'll enjoy that. Uh, we're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Have a great week ahead. Do everything in love. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time where faith comes by hearing. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.